You want you want to be the bailiff? I'll be a bailiff. I'll be bull. <laughs> I can be the bailiff. The honorable. All right, go ahead. All right. Yeah, you can be honorable. Welcome to Have a Good Night Court. Court is now in session. Please rise for the honorable Hans K. Frywald. And please be seated for the honorable Casey Van Heel. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Pilot episode on a pilot episode. Episode, exactly. How was your day? But more importantly, how was your night? It was fantastic because I was watching episode one of Night Court. I'm starting a legal journey, baby. That's right. By the end of this podcast, I want all of us to be able to pass the New York bar. Yes, we're going to law school for real. What would you do? Defense or offense? I I could eat a lot of law teaching, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got to go, I guess, prosecute. I don't know. I've been watching a lot of Better Call Saul lately, so I kind of wax and wane between O and D. Great show. Great show. You know what's interesting? We'll get into one of the characters. Um, I always thought- I say prosecution, I guess. If you're asking, because I have a clean conscience. I can't. The whole, like, I've seen seven, like, I don't want to defend somebody and then have a serial killer cut my fat gut off. Right. I've leave s- me for dead. I got to go defense. But there's defense, a... Defense, all right. I, I, I guess I got to go... Uh, it's interesting because I am a... I just... I'm a little conflicted with, uh, with law enforcement and the things people are getting away with these days. So I'm going defense and I honestly think I'd be a dirty defense Attorney, you have experience on the defense. You defended yourself admirably in food money court and potentially unethically. Oh, oh, oh there's, no potential. there's no potential. There's no potential. Unethically, yes. Oh, yeah. But hey, that got to get done. It was for the man. You're fighting the man for the small man. Yeah, that's what I say. I w- I would never. If I knew somebody was guilty of a violent or sexual crime, I would never. Um. Defend them unethically. If then my yeah. jo- job was a defense attorney, I would defend them to the best of my legal abilities. However, if there was somebody getting scumbagged from the system, I yeah. would fucking scumbag it. They people just have no idea. Like I, I have a, uh, I have an issue right now with somebody that owes me money, an employer that owes me money, and they're yeah. like two days late, and I'm already like, I have their they're Manhattan like, office. I reap the whirlwind. Yes. Like they, I, I deal freelance now. Right. So I'm dealing with people from England. I'm dealing with people from Colorado and these guys just made the mistake of hiring the wrong guy in their own city. Cause they're going to get, they're going to get 1984 night court, New York at their fucking door. Anyways, long roundabout way. I'm going defense. You fuck with me. You get fucked. And yeah, isn't it interesting that, um, our character, John Larroquette, John Larroquette's character, Fielding, I always thought he was the defense attorney because he's such a, uh, no, yeah. a, sh- a shyster, which is a character that clearly develops because we don't get, go, get, let's get back to the pilot episode. We don't get as much there. I, yeah, I, I recalled him being more of a sleaze. So I always like, in my mind, I was always like, he's got to be the defense guy because that's the way you go. Exactly. He's got to def- defend because he's always flirting with the hookers and stuff. So, but not in episode one. No, can I give you the, oh my God, excuse me. That's my, that's classic sitcom burp there. Belch right into Um, that microphone. Let me give you a synopsis. (laughs) 
uh, I'll give you a synopsis of episode one. And do you want to see if it holds uh-huh. up, if you would change it, what it's missing? Yeah. Just to set it up. Cool? Yeah. Okay. So, the episode one is titled All You Need... Episode one, titled All You Need Is Love. It's directed by James Burroughs. Mm-hmm. It's written by the show's creator, which is pretty common in sitcoms, right? Pilot episode written by the creator. Uh, actually, he writes... The, uh, the creator's Reinhold Weege. Let's Let's come Weege. to a consensus on how we're going to say that name. Let's go Weege. It's probably wrong, but when we get him on, he can correct us. All right. Uh, well, let me tell you, if he, he, <laughs> I don't think I don't think we're getting him on uh, in the way we want. Uh, anyways, Reinhold Weege. Have to white noise it. Uh, it this aired January fourth, nineteen eighty four, right after Big Baby Jesus's birth. Right. Yep. Yep. Oh, can't can't you just go back to a nice chilly night in 1984? You're feeling all good. You have all these gifts. You're fattened from the holidays, and then this new sitcom comes on. Uh, on a Wednesday. Yeah, not a traditional airtime for a sit for a new sitcom. Correct. I mean, not not. I don't think you could bury a show deeper these days than putting it on two days after New Year's. <laughs> right, <laughs> in the middle of winter. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that was like the the cherry spot in the classic TV sort of like, because you're not going anywhere. Like sure. you're stuck in your home. You have no internet. You're going to, you're going to be at home in front of the old boob tube. Yeah. But, uh, uh television is, uh, would you call this a mid season release? What would you call this? Well, cause we, cause you had, it's 13 episodes. Yeah. So this has taken us into well into the summer. Sure. I mean, I think a premiere would be the fall, like if, you know, as we recall those classic, here's tonight, the classic lineup, do, yeah, exactly. do, do, you know, like, <laughs> tonight, fall, it's like, tonight. Um, I, you know, what's going to be interesting is, uh, I'll make a little note, I'm going to find out what show really shit the bed and Night Court took its place, that's all that happened. Right. We get, we'll look for, for for the next session, we'll have the lineup, the the Wednesday night lineup that Night Court found itself scrapping against. Yeah, I'm gonna. That'll be fun. I actually found a website that has like you know you see those boards that executive like TV executives had in their office, and they just like slyly move shows yeah. around like they're God. I'll discover. To keep tuned to discover what dog shit uh, Night Court uh, replaced. All right, so. All You Need Is Love, January 4th, 1984, pilot episode. Here we go. There's a few, uh, if you want to go online, there's a few different websites that give you episode descriptions, but there's no bother. We'll get. We'll always give you a basic description, and then we'll give you the real, the we'll real goods. We'll get down to it, baby. Yeah. So, Harold T. Stone, played by Harry Anderson, becomes a night court judge in New York City. Working with him are court clerk Lana Wagner, played by Karen Austin, Prosecutor Dan Fielding, played by the amazing John Larroquette. Public defender Sheila Gardner, played by Gail Strickland. And bailiffs Bull Shannon, played by Richard Mull. And Selma Hacker, played by Selma Diamond, interestingly enough. Two Selmas. They like like to keep the first names on the old night court. Yeah, and uh, it's too bad Richard Mull's name isn't Bull Mull. Um, (laughs) Yeah. In his first case, we're, we're referring back to Stone. In his first case, he has to settle dispute. <laughs> this is so... Oh, already? I watched this last night, and this is already... It's like, 
it's like bringing back memories of last night for me, how crazy this is. <laughs> he has to settle a dispute involving a woman threatening her husband with gunfire, while at the same time try to earn the trust of his staff, who are skeptical about his unorthodox judicial, judicial methods. Oh, and how. Wait, wait, wait. I have a quick note at the bottom here. Yeah. This is Gail Strickland's only episode as a cast member who played the public defender, who played sexy oh. glasses. Oh, we're never going to get to see the transition from... I guess we'll talk about her when we get into the episode, but yeah, classic hot-looking 80s lady. Yeah, well, yeah, interesting. It's a sad day. It's a somber day already, the first night of night court, and we already got a... She had maybe my my favorite joke in the episode, too. We'll get to it. That's so interesting. Well, then we'll in our in memoriam. All right. So... Uh, fair description, yeah, yeah, oh, a little straight. If I read that in a TV guide, I would I would tune in to see how he, what unorthodox style Judge Harry Stone's gonna bring, because I've seen unorthodox in my day to a night court in New York City. Yeah, that's all I'd have to hear. Well, I do love the name night court because it's not an official term. There's not really like you're not gonna get a summons to Manhattan night court. Let's be honest. Is there such a thing as night court? I think they lock the courthouse at like five o'clock. Yeah, there's there's no night court. What happens in again? The, the, maybe we're we're taking on a we're taking on a project here. Um, uh, yeah, bailiff Van Heel, because there's a lot of research we have to do. Uh, was night court ever a thing? Is it in some a, uh, avenue a, a type of thing now? Because I don't think so. I think here's what happens. Yeah. You commit a crime or you get in trouble. They yeah. certainly don't dispute attempted murder cases in an evening of night court. No, no. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. If we were aliens coming back to visit human civilization and we saw this episode and what we would learn from it is that on the planet Earth, in the city of Manhattan, if you are a scumbum, a hobo, a hooker, or a night weirdo, you have a special court for you. Yeah, and it only happens at night, and it's only weirdos. There's no like dumb dads in here. There's no disputes about parking spots. This is like underbelly. Like this is like mafia court. Yeah, think about how I I was thinking how much fun um how much fun I just wanted to be a part of the night court. I love it. Like, and we talk about like. That's what I love about the show is that it is it's gross. It's a grossy show. It's yes, all scumbums. Well, uh, it, it's a gross. But let's think about the reality. We're going back to the just real quick touching back onto reality. I, I can't help it. Um, uh, uh, let's think about institutions that do actually run at night. They're very yeah. sick, sad places. Yeah, of course. Because people New have- York City bars, which are open till 4 a.m. Yes. Which you and I both know, having done that in New York City, yeah. takes all kinds and all sorts of nonsense. And um, the 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 just the wear and tear that uh, you those people in night court have to sleep during the day, and that's not healthy. Yeah. That's not healthy. No. Once uh, you're on that weird- if Once you're on the old night court schedule- yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, night court schedule, night, night court schedule, uh, if you do it long enough, lands you in some fun, weird places. 
Um, yep, you're you're dressed like a punk with studs and a cut off t shirt. Yeah, or you're next to a sitting next to a weeping pimp, or you're sucking down coffee in a church basement. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right. Uh, interestingly enough, all right. Let's let's get okay. into it. Um, all right. So episode starts. It does not start with the famous iconic introduction. Duh. One of my all time favorite. Uh, introductions of t- television oh yeah it's the best certainly Classic. uh ooh, i mean and it's hard ho- i'm a as we know uh as sketch comedians anybody that knows us uh, we are big fans of how a uh how yeah. a, a, a show is introduced mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. sets the tone uh oh, yeah. it, it 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 there's just so much opportunity for laughter because you have uh, what yes. basically sitcoms set up as a montage opportunity, right? Yeah. So very out of context, visual joke. Yeah, they're all visual jokes, right? And they don't they don't need to fit in any story. It's just somebody funny it gives you a taste of what the character is. Yeah. Uh, uh, I know you have uh, pretty extensive notes on on the intro. We'll get to it, but we have what is called a cold open, correct? Oh yeah, baby, a tease. It's a little teaser. A pretty pretty Sets. lengthy, I guess. Would it yeah. would it still be categorized as an open? I know mean, as an open, but I don't know if it's. Yeah, let's call it cold open. Go for it, teaser. I think it would it because it gives you a taste, and I I guess like why bury the lead? Let's just get into it. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing you see, first image, perfect. To me, sums up the show as I remember it, because we're both going in fresh, as fresh as we can. Yeah. Watching these episodes, uh, we we see the judges' chambers, like yep. drab institutional, gross yellow walls. Law books. Old wood bookcase full of law books. Uh, our young, uh, what's Lana Wagner, walks in. Attractive 80s woman, but haggard, like from work, clearly. Yeah, that attractive 80, well, 80s woman always has a nice edge to her. Yeah, I like it. Yep. She oh, walks yeah. in. This is perfect for the show. We see this big, giant New York City union guy, laborer, just classic and you know like he's looking out the window she asks him what he's doing he's like ah these two people are fucking next door uh so as soon as i saw that i went ah prime time 80s tv just watching two people going at it his only name in the script is you're exactly right a nondescript laborer gruff new yorky accent fat yeah. Oh, and he gets the perfect punchline because obviously she's like, "Why are you? Why would you do that?" And he's like, "My wife don't do that." And oh, I love boom, it. Boom! Show weirdos. Uh, just laugh track. Creepers. Was there a laugh I track? I don't recall there being a laugh track. I don't either. Honestly. But how could there not have been? Was it was it the most well well executed laugh track to date? That it was so subtle, I didn't notice it. I feel like I would have noticed the laugh track. Maybe. It's because I was like watching so intently, <laughs> right? Taking notes like <laughs> diligently. There's no way that could have not had a laugh track. Oh man, I that's so interesting. Uh, stay tuned. All right, mystery of the laugh track. So now we've we've been like he establishes our world. Like you don't want to be the straight man in this world because you're surrounded by madness, weirdos, ugly people doing Kama Sutra fucking not, but three feet away from your window. Exactly, which is a which is a premise that Friends stole from Night Court. I'm calling it. Yes, 
Yeah. Uh, and then uh, all of our, our classic cast rolls in. As we mentioned, Lana Wagner, court clerk. Then we're introdu- introduced to Richard Mull, the bull. And tr- bull Richard Shannon. Mull, the bull, baby. He seemed he he seemed less intimidating now that I'm older. Uh, yeah. He was like a monster. He was like uh, Eddie, uh, uh, like a monster to me. Uh, yeah. Uh, before, but it, he's just a large, uh, very. Um, uh, what would you say? He's the bull, man. He's the bull. All right. Uh, what did you think? In my of- mind, he. I always remembered him as how when I first saw the movie uh, Red Dragon. Or the original Manhunter also has a yeah. tall, goofy-looking, bald guy. Like I, oh, just like nightmare. He's just like a nightmare person. Right. That's how I remember Bull. Uh, so Bull is our lovable goof. Fair to say. Yeah, yeah he's our Kramer. He's the oddball goofus. What did you think about his introduction? Like, he has a running arc through this episode, and what's his running arc is that he likes to use big words? Because he's dumb. He admits on right away, he's like, I am dumb, so I do, I, I like to find new words, and I try to use them for a month. Once a month, but he doesn't use them wrong. No. He uses them appropriately in context, so I would argue the dumbness of that. Um... Very, I, I, very, very overdone standard joke. Word of the month. It makes him weirder. Makes him very weird. Very weird. So in that regard, mission accomplished. Bull is also uh, the subject to, I think, in my opinion, the strangest joke of the episode, but we'll, we'll get there. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I it's almost they, a non-joke. It's so It weird. really, okay. So, okay, we introduced Dan Fielding comes in. He's the prosecuting attorney. The John Larroquette will go on to make this character famous. Iconic, yeah. And then our defense attorney are introduced. They're both very intelligent, smart. They're very, like, they definitely leaned into the 80s uh, yuppie. They look like yuppies. He's got a pipe. He's smoking a pipe. Yeah, I don't. I, the pipe goes away. I think that goes away after the pilot. Uh, so they're all together and they're speculating about who the new judge is going to be because it was the mayor's last day in office and he made all of these very cavalier last minute appointments to the city of New York. And one of them is the fictional job of the judge of Manhattan Night Court. Exactly. Is that set up on the cold open, though? I, I didn't recall that. I thought we just knew there was a new judge in town. No, it's set up because she's telling Bull this is happening. Like, we're waiting on the new judge. Gotcha. The mayor picked him last minute. We don't know who he is. And then the phone rings in Bull and in what will soon to be classic Bull fashion, tersely answers and hangs up the phone. And she asks, who is that? And he says that was the mayor looking for the judge. Exactly. Boom. And he exits. So, uh, and upon his exit, we get an entrance. Uh, baby jeans, sweatshirt, white Chucky Taylors. Tight, high, almost male camel toe jeans. But, I mean, no different than you would see in, in any, any uh, hip part of Brooklyn now. So, yeah. Uh, he looks like a hipster, honestly. He, uh, and enter Harry, Harry Anderson. Yep. 
Can you give me a little taste of Harry Anderson? Uh, he is, uh, as I, I don't recall seeing him, but I know he had a bunch of cam. He had a few well-received SNL bits. Harry Anderson is a stand-up comedian. That's right. Which is not, which is not uncommon, but he is a, a magician stand-up, which is uncommon. Let me. Uh, it is. It, it 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 it's now become like a um a laughable trope. How big was the magician comic in nine when this episode aired, nineteen eighty four? So let's say he's doing it in the very early eighties. Is he a he, pioneer? I would say no. He's not necessarily a pioneer. Uh, because there was a a British comedian that was like, uh was well known as the the jokey ma- magician comedian which okay. kind of for a while was your bad at magic which is the gag yes he was more of a fusion of prop comic magician comic as i recall he used magic flourishes to do punchlines well that's what that he is an incompetent magician that's what's funny he is a competent or isn't a competent he is competent as opposed to the incompetent magician, and that's the joke, as you keep fucking up the trick. Sure. Because there's another famous comedian, the amazing Jonathan. Yep. Is, looks like Sam Kinison with a beard, does the bad magic. Well, well, I, I, I have to argue, I, the amazing Jonathan is a really adept magician, though. Yes. Like but he, they all are adept magicians, but the gag is you're terrible at it. Or what? your tricks backfire on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. You. But in order for in order for you have to be so so good to make it look yeah. perfectly bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because I I say that in the magician aspect because what I gathered from this episode is I would say Harry Anderson is a prop comic that uses magical props. I would I would agree with you 100%. Now, I'm sure... We'll get to why you think that. I know why you do, and I almost 100% agree with you, because my first thought was... Okay, let's not bury the lead. We'll get there. So, this gentleman shows up, as we said, hipster, judge in jeans, big box full of junk, in classic theater... Like, this is some Shakespearean shit. Classic mistaken identity. Oh, yeah. He comes in... Everyone gives him shit because he looks like a scumbag. And they're like, get out of the way, scumbag. We're waiting on the judge. We're waiting on the judge. So he comes in with a box. We forget that he's there as they bicker and talk about what they want from a judge. Dan Fielding would like a judge that can play chess. Uh, And for his name not to be Jaime Mankin or whatever the joke was. (laughs) Yeah, what that chess bit. I, 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 he wants a, did he want to, are they setting something up? Like he wants a judge to play chess because he wants a, um, a challenge. He, they're, they're setting up the fact that Dan Fielding is intellectual. Like he is intelligent. He's a shrewd lawyer. Like he wants a judge that can test him. He want you know, like, and I think it's just easy to say, I hope he can play chess. Cause it's like, Oh, smarty pants, smart guy game. But it's not literal chess, is it? I think it's literal chess. Yeah, there's some like again, we're 
we 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 have to go into the good and the bad. I'm having some trouble with writing in this in this episode, but but it's quick. You just it breeze past it. So they're all talking, and then we hear, "Oh boy, get a load of that!" Our our judge, not judge, is lounging in his window watching the ugly people fuck. Oh yeah, that sends the rest of them into a tizzy, and then we get what I wrote in my notes as. Gags to exclamation points. Oh yeah, because Harry re- Harry reveals he's the judge, and pulls a leaf blower out of a box and shoots those fake snake, the peanut brittle snakes, out of this gun at everybody in the room. So many of them. So many of them. So, uh, but before it's revealed that he's the judge by. Stereotypical Italian delivery man. Is that a stereotype? I don't know. Stereotypical delivery man. I got a delivery for the judge. He ain't here. And then the judge says like, well, I'll sign for it because I'm the judge. And doesn't he, doesn't the delivery man. Oh no, the delivery man's there after he shoots everybody with this leaf blower with this prop. Yeah. Uh, And then the judge says something like, this is above my pay grade or something like that. It was that. like, I'll tip you, but I, I don't want you to buy like a Christopher Cross album. It was a very specific That's right. uh, musician. And I was writing something else down. I didn't put it down. I didn't, wasn't able to quite write down what the record was. Because I was like, I remember as a kid and we find out at the end, I was like, I remember Judge Stone really likes this musician and judge stone really hates this other musician it was chuck mangione yeah let's just be honest the judge sure loves music he does so he makes a joke to the delivery guy i'd tip you but i don't know what you're gonna do with it and i'd hate for you to spend it on a chuck mangione album that just at which case the delivery guy he doesn't look at the camera but he might as well have and then just runs out of the room as fast as humanly possible i i did get upset there that i because i i'm starting to you know i'm kind of getting into this cool judge and then it's not cool not to tip the gags i don't like i'm not i'm but i'm gonna put it on front street harry stone's gotta win me over i hate gags i i ah. this is going to be a long podcast He's got he's got nine seasons to win me over, but well, leaf blower gun. Nah, I'm not not sold. Well, let me let me. I think uh, I, I'll, I'll give a projection. I think we are going to see a shift from prop to magic, and I'm yeah. hoping for that because, as I recall, Harry Anderson is an adept magician from Cheers, from his Harry the Hat and Cheers. Yeah. So, um. But those I, those props got to go. Yes, yes, yes. I will say I know because I when I was looking and doing some research, the part of Harry was not written specifically for uh, Harry Anderson. Oh, so those gags it wasn't built around him the way everybody loves Raymond's built around Ray Romano's stand up as a like or Drew Carey was built around Drew Carey like because that like those pilots are super clunky because they really force the jokes from their stand-up yes. into the very script of the show. Mm-hmm. And I remember that in particular about Drew Carey because that's when I started getting into comedy and watching more comedy. So I had seen Drew Carey's various stand-up specials and like 
on Comedy Central. And so watching the pilot, it was annoying to me how clunky they just set up for him to do a line from his stand up. It's, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, I John Mulaney, who's a great comic, yeah. uh, one of the better comics. Um, I don't know why I say that, but he had his own show on Fox that has since been canceled. And I only saw the pilot episode of it, and it was one of his albums, like, bit by bit. Obviously, not saying yeah. bit by bit, but it was worked in in the same way. And that's not a negative. I'm just saying that's what you're talking about. Life with Louie was the same way. If you watch the pilot yeah. episode of Life with Louie, you can pick out his bits, his punch. Oh, that's true. Like, yeah. they just animated his jokes about his dad. Exactly. So you can see, because the show clearly, because that is something they still do today, they went, oh, what are your, what are the hot gags that you do? It's right. not quite as on the head as if he was in it from the beginning, but I feel like the leaf blower snake gun, definitely in his, his, his fucking Vegas show. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. Um, you, you, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was under the impression that, you know, the 80s is pretty well known for getting holding deals for these stand-up comics and trying to get them their sitcoms. And I kind of thought that was a deal with this for Harry Anderson. But you're proposing that it was um, he was cast in this role. Yeah. He was. It wasn't written for him because the thing about the premise of the show, like if you're going to if you and I are in charge of writing the Harry Anderson sitcom. Yeah, we wouldn't have said it in a fictional night court. He would have been like, you know, it would have been he would have been a dad or like a comic on the road. You know what I mean? Like it the, the concept is too big. Is bigger than the comic. Great point. Yeah, the concept is bigger than the comic. I like that. You're right. Which is why a lot of the stand-up sitcoms are f- families, because it's like, oh, he's got a family. Yeah, because Do all your dad jokes here. Do your, your mother-in-law joke here. It's just a more malleable format, because you don't need to explain. It's like everybody has a family. Everybody has kids. And the stand-up's bit is about his actual life, like Harry Anderson yeah. wasn't talking. He wasn't doing night court. He wasn't doing nighttime court jokes, you know? <laughs> Uh, so I feel like they let him throw some of his shtick into it, it's a shame. which is why I don't why the, the gag, the gun gag really rubbed me the wrong way because it's just out of left field. Like it doesn't fit with the show at all because everybody else does a good job of the, being these characters like. And he didn't have to. I there's a moment so that that set. So now we have our cold open setup. All of our people, all of our people, but one who gets her big punchline in the intro. So hit us with the intro case. All right. If you haven't seen it, you should you should you should go see it now because it is like any great 80s New York movie has all of the iconic nighttime scenes like the steaming grate, the New York City traffic, hot dog stand, street walkers, just, you know. In that little chunk of time, you get exactly where you are. And can it? Can you pick anything better than a jazzy saxophone to go with that? It's perfect. It is because awesome. Because the other iconic one, I can never remember the name of the song, but it's that. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it. I'll put it in right here. It's called like Dusky in the Bronx or something. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
Night Court and that are the like you want to do a montage New York City? Got to go with one of the two of those funky beats. Yeah, there's bro. just something sexy and hot about like a steamy night in New York or a cold night, but there's just something about Metropolis City and that that screech of that saxophone. In fact, if I was the mayor of New York, I would budget out a little bit just to have jazzy sax players on the corners in New York because that oh, yeah. would just make life such a uh, a, a more vi- it just make a more vibrant uh, uh, life for us in New York. When I I will say, speaking of being nighttime out during the nighttime weirdness. Um, one of the bar gigs I had, I bartended. They had a jazz night. Those guys need work. Yeah. <laughs> not doing experimental jazz. I would like to see more of them just on the, the corners playing some sexy riffs. Yeah, that just goes back to, you know what? Let's get Billy DeBlas on the phone. We're going to bring our, our saxophone. Make New York weird again. We're bringing it back. Yeah, there's just not even there's not even enough street music out anymore. Even in the decades since we've lived here, has it it's really just gone down. I mean, if you want to talk about disnification and corporatization, it's like really just it's pushing out too much of the weird and it's bringing in weird. It's bringing in weird little Spanish men in Hello Kitty uh costumes. Yeah. But before you don't need you didn't need the Hello Kitty costume. You didn't need to adapt. You just had to be threatening in Times Square. Or one of my favorite street performers of all time, for the longest time, I I used to work down in the Lower East Side off of the uh, down on Delancey Street. Yeah. So like the heart of old weird New York City still has a little of that weirdness deep down under the skin. You can't get rid of it. Yeah, it's got a little taste. One of the subway stations had this guy, and I wrote it down in my in one of my comedy notebooks that I kept just for when an idea strikes me. And all it was written down was Elvis of the pan flute, because <laughs> this dude was playing a pan flute, which about. in and of itself is not a rock and roll instrument. But holy shit, was this guy like hips and moving? And I was if Elvis played a pan flute, he would be this guy. Yes, yeah, so which I so many years later I found out. Did you ever watch that documentary, The Wolf Pack? Yes, that's their father. The fuck out of here! Yeah, yeah Lower East of the Pan Flute. I didn't. I watched the movie and a lot of that. Okay, we're gonna. I'll give you a little backstory. There's this documentary. You should check it out. It's amazing. It's called The Wolf Pack. It's about these six brothers who live in a two bedroom apartment in the Lower East Side. And their their parents don't let them out of yeah. their apartment. So they literally they are almost Hans and I are almost the Wolfpack brothers because they literally just grew up on VHS movies. Oh my god! They're, they're and the documentary is about them recreating the movies with this handy cam. They do such an amazing job on costumes, and one kid's job is literally just to type out the scripts of the movies from the movies. He transcribes like yes reservoir dogs by hand. He doesn't have the internet. He doesn't scroll. He pa- watches video, pauses, types video, pauses. It's it. These guys are these kids are really impressive. Um, and they belonged in Night Court because their father was a night weirdo. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, is, back is. to Night Court intro, baby. Weird, weird. Bringing it back, street weirdos. Uh, the Night Court introduction is the iconic TV intro. Uh, 
scenes in New York, and then the character looking kind of into the camera, like a scene from the show taken out of context, and it says, Harry Anderson. Mm-hmm. Highlight of the thing, punchline, character we haven't met yet. Uh, her name is Selma Diamond. As Hans mentioned earlier, she plays a sassy lady, old lady bailiff named Selma. Selma Hacker. Selma Hacker. In the intro, you see her name, and then she turns to the camera with the classic cigarette dangle off the dry lip, just giving the indifferent look of, huh? And that's all you need to know. She has one line in the in the show. Yeah. In the app. All right, you got it. Um, uh, cool. So then the intro, stand, you got it. Uh, and then uh, as we return to the show, as Hans mentioned earlier, we come to the weirdest joke of the whole episode. So bizarre. And it's long. It's a very long, quiet joke. Now, did you get the joke right off the bat? Uh, I looked up to see. I think there is a laugh track now that I recall because I heard a laugh track and looked up to see what was happening. Yeah. And to describe the scene for you, if you're not going to watch it, is... Yeah, watch it, watch it, yeah. The character Bull, as we've established, is a goof and he's tall. He's big. And he's bald. So, And he's bald. So he is standing underneath a sconce, a wall sconce with lights. Two, there, two, two large bulbs. Two, yeah, globes, like two bulb lights. They're orange? I don't know. And like, it's a joke. People are laughing. It cuts to Dan Fielding. I, for, I forget what his line was. Was just like, looks good on you. Yeah, yeah. Where cuts back to Bull and he shrugs. Well, he looks up and he, I guess, figures out because I say I I asked you if you got it because I guess I got it. I was seeing. I go, "Uh, that's weird, but I I was living in the joke and I was, I was like, I get it, but should I get it? Like I get, I get that this is a non-joke. I I wonder if I'm being coaxed by the a laugh track because it's just. The joke is that his bald head looks like light bulbs. I Because I was like, is that it? Is it that simple or am I missing a reference? Like, that's what I didn't get. I was like, is it boobs? Does he have like Mickey Mouse ears? Does he? That's what I thought. I was like, is that the joke? He kind of looks like, not even kind of. He just, two big round things and then his big round head. Yeah, that's it. it. So I guess it's just, it's it's when you take a photograph and there's something behind you that looks odd, like a tree coming out of your head. Yeah, it's very subtle. It's it, it, if it were I, and this is definitely not a not a podcast to be critical of the show. I might yeah. have cut that one. Might have, yeah. Just not not worth it. Because even when Judge Harry comes in, he kind of looks at Bull as well, as if he's he's in on the joke too that we don't understand. Right. I guess it establishes that Bull is out Bull of is place. Tall. He is. <laughs> And maybe it sets up the establishes that um, uh, Dan Fielding, John Larroquette's character, doesn't have a lot of respect for people because he laughs at people. Uh, you know what? I That's guess. reading way too far into it. Let's just okay. leave it at that was a cool. we- definitely the weirdest weird, joke of the episode. Gag. More to come, weird I guess. Gag. Into classic, into the classic gag. So as we mentioned, Judge Harry comes in first time. We're seeing Judge Harry T. Stone take the bench. We've established in the, in the robes. He's the everyman judge. He's you and I with the robes on. 
Oh, I got something here. He likes watching weird people fuck. Mm -hmm. He's sassy. He's got gags. Gags Uh, for days. And speaking of gags, we go into it. Established normal court scene. He's the judge. They do the whole spiel like your honorable judge. He goes to sit. Oh, court. you missed the bit with uh, with Bull where he he's uh, he has the judge's name written in his hands. Oh, I didn't. Say, I was. I think I was still feverishly writing down Bull is tall. Yeah, you're right. You know what? If we decide to hit every joke, we're going to be in trouble. So, all right, we're just establishing Bull has uh, is is a uh, big dumb guy. Okay, big dumb guy, tall dumb guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry goes to sit down. Everybody sits, and then he pops right back up. I have that as a pivotal moment of character development in this show, much like uh, when we first see Willy Wonka played by Gene Wilder and Gene Mm, Wilder sets up this. uh, He comes out to greet the kids. He's walking with a cane and then he uh, his cane sticks in the ground and he's about to fall, but he spins and jumps up. So Gene Wilder described that was a decision made by Gene Wilder, a character choice. So that every time you were with Willy Wonka now, you didn't know if he was serious or joking, if he was uh, genuine or um, or deceitful right. is not the right word. You couldn't you, trust him. You, you couldn't trust him. So I was like, oh, so with Harry Stone, we don't know if he's going to be uh, the stern judge or the wackadoodle. I think you put your finger on it. Night Court is just a metaphor for Willy Wonka. Maybe. Or an illusion. I guess illusion to Willy Wonka. Because it's weirdos. It's not a a real place. It's under the mask of, like, it's a courtroom. It's a courthouse. It should be, like, there are rules that are obeyed. No, it's Night Court, baby. It's like Chocolate Factory. It's a factory. No, you got to get inside. I guess you could put any institution at night. Like, could you... Uh, take take another uh, regular thing and put it at night. A regular thing, another government agency, and put it at night and see if it works. It's true already. Funny night school. Night school. That's a night school. I, I, I you couldn't use like fire department or police station because that's already at night. I guess it would be like uh, DMV at dawn. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> really early mornings and you get all the <laughs> coffee gags <laughs> oh yeah c- classic coffee bits i feel like we're gonna see some coffee bits here because you gotta you gotta have some energy at night uh so you're right i agree i think we established that the judge we can't trust him he's a loose cannon also we as the audience relate to him because he's not your normal judge no way man jeans uh, they, they make sure to wear that's what i that's my main note the judge wears jeans exclamation Comfort. point Comfort. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we get into our first few tastes of the night crimes that we're getting. Oh, boy. Yep. So Harry sits down, and then again we establish that I don't know if he can be trusted because someone jumps up from the the debtor's prison and goes, Harry! Yep. And we meet a longtime friend of Judge Harry who's in jail for uh, one of my favorite old-timey Old time crap. Three card Monty. Classic three card Monty. Still got the two of the cards in his hands. I can't tell you how many Daredevil or Punisher comics that involve a three card Monty table getting a nunchuck thrown through him or like a a redheaded criminal with a razor blade yo-yo gets ripped off by a three card Monty. You know where three card Monty's still hot? New Orleans. Really? Yeah. I was just watching an episode of Cops. 
And they were they had like a three card Monty task division. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, or just street. Uh, what would you call it? Street gambling? What? Uh, card sharking? Like, cause God damn, I, that's got to be a huge problem if they have a task force. Why? Why is that illegal again? Because it's a it's a ripoff. You yeah, can't win. Yeah, but that's the other. I I I guess it, it's theft because you can't I, win. I think you should leave it because it's sort of like everybody knows it's a scam. Exactly. And if you fall for the scam, you don't deserve that money to begin with. If it's too good to be true, it's true. I'd rather have a three-card Monty person steal my money than lose it to like AT&T through some scummy like (laughs) cell phone bill. It's the same thing. They're just finding a way to steal from me. That's right. I'd rather believe that I could win. I got I like the illusion of victory. I got three card montied by Con Edison, and you know what this Monty is? They three card montied their website to be so unnavigational, navigatable, so complex, so under construction at all times, so as to in every section where you could possibly send an email for a grievance, it doesn't go through. You've accidentally put a dash in the phone number wrong, and then when you go back to put the phone number in, it says your time has expired. You have to restart the process again. Montied. Montied. All right. So, yeah, we meet a, a, a classic New York crook, a three-card Monty, a card sharp, knows the judge. It's kind of it. That's all that was set up for is that the judge, he's he's like, he's a common man. Yeah, he he's knows. a crook's judge. He knows the games. He knows the schemes. He's not above it all. And he's not. And, but also, so he gives the three, he doesn't let the three card Monty buddy off. No. He gives him a, a, a light fine, tells him not to do it again. So we do also know that he is going to dispense um, of gold. some, he's ju- even some handed. justice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to throw the book at the three card Monty guy if it doesn't warrant that decision. As we find out going into the main case of the episode, which is attempted murder with a deadly weapon. Because the husband slept with a prostitute. With a hooker. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's the I best. Love- that we go from three card Monty fifty dollar fine, which I would imagine is what night court. If there was in reality a night court, it's these small little crimes that people got picked up yeah. for public intoxication, three card Monty scams, uh, prostitution, yeah. like things that they get picked up. They put them in a cell. They take them to night court so they can get them back out, and they don't have to like feed them and hold them. This is yeah. a night court case about a woman who fired, who emptied all the rounds of her gun at her husband, more to be revealed, for yeah. sleeping with a with hooker. A, and she is like top, not good, 80s hooker. To that, kudos to the actress. She, she kills this role as hooker number one. Literally. Or hooker hook- with heart of gold. Hook. Let's call her Night Court Hooker Number One because you know what we're gonna see a lot of in Night Court, a lot of hooking, a lot of hooks. Yes. Uh. So yes, that's the crime of the. That's so. Larroquette is prosecuting. No, he's the assistant yeah, he, DA. So he is on the side. He is with the husband and the hooker. He's trying to put this man's wife away, and then the defense attorney, which is uh. Hot 80s mom. Gail Strickland. Or Sheila Gardner, played by Gail Strickland for only this episode. Yep. 
uh, defending the wife. Yep. So now we finally get to see Judge Stone. This is a real case. As we said, assault, deadly weapon, firearm was fired indoors. You could have injured the neighbors. It was fired into the ceiling, as we'll find out. Uh, so we get to see Judge Stone work his magic. They're fighting back and forth. No, no one can get a word in edgewise through the arguing. We find out the and by the way, like perfect. Are they not perfect? 80s like sitcom New York people like a big overweight Italian guy, thinning hair, wife like, beater. Uh, he might not be wearing a wife beater, but jacket. yeah, yeah. He's got that like yellow fucking vinyl jacket. Yeah, he looks like a dad from the movie Sleepers. The lady has like a petticoat and just like she's lived through it. They lived through 70s New York to for this to be in night court now. Yeah, they look like Archie Bunker's neighbor. So. Yeah, totally. That's perfect. Yeah, they look like they should they live where Archie Bunker lives. Mhm. Um we get to see just how all the crew works. They're fighting bull separates them. We get to see the attorneys and then we get to see the wisdom of Solomon <laughs> that is derived Stoneman. from Judge Harry Stone. His suggestion is to go out for a cup of joe. Well, to have them go out for a cup of joe and work it out. Attempted murderer. Attempted f- shot a gun. Emptied the clip on a gun in a building. In a domicile, no less. Could have killed the husband, the hooker, and ca- neighbors, children, anything. Well, let's be honest here, too, that, like, there's also something that that man was sleeping with a hooker in his in his in their shared bed. Eh, Okay, I mean, I'm not against the lady. I'm just saying (laughs) careful. It's a gun. Let's just say uh, I'm glad I'm not working at the diner. They're about to go have a cup of coffee at. So, yeah, that's his thing. Like, this can be settled. Interesting, interesting that old three-card Monty had handcuffs on, yet the uh, attempted murderer. Yeah, (laughs) nothing. No. Fine. Uh, Okay, yeah, Wisdom of Solomon. So we're aghast. We are feeling the same burn as we are from from our uh, court, what is she called? The court clerk. Yep. Lana Wagner. Lana Wagner. Uh, So I assume that's when we cut to commercial. Yeah. Because we come back, and when we return... We get a, a, a pretty solid sight gag. We get to see uh, the two attorneys return ripped to shreds. Oh. Battered, beaten. Uh, Wexler's, uh, or the, the defense attorney's uh, pumps are broken, so she's got that jaunty walk. Oh, classic like, 80s broken heel walk. Do you remember, uh, do you remember Larroquette's great line? I uh, know. I... Loved that shirt. <laughs> uh, then we get our B storyline. They possibly talk about bringing the judge up on charges and getting him dismissed. Oh, but we quickly. Well, I don't know if that that I think is that going to be an ongoing uh, bit because it's. I would say it's the only actual legal discussion they had because they actually talked about what goes into getting a judge disbarred or and or removed from the court. Pretty apathetic uh, discussion, though, because it's very quickly just turns to it takes years. Eh. Yeah. So, so that establishes we know we know we're gonna we have our cast of characters for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you get a you get a killer line. The uh, uh, the she uh, Wexner, the court clerk, is like, "You sent them out for coffee. What's next? A murder brunch?" 
Oh yeah, nice. And I was like, "That's a." I wrote it down because I was like, "I like the I like the term murder brunch." That's or she brunch. said, "She just said, what are you going to do next? Invite them out for brunch? Like, let's say they kill somebody. What do they get? Brunch?" And I wrote down murder brunch. I like murder brunch better. What? And as soon as you said, I said, I thought, do I have murder brunch written down too? I want, maybe they said murder brunch. All right, great All right. bit. So cool. Back to the court. Back to the courtroom. Yep. We did the. Uh, and then we really get into what you had talked about earlier about the gallows. This is the full, we get to see the full power of the gallows in action. Oh yeah, we do. Cause we return, our attorneys are battered and beaten. The judge's theories proven invalid. So he's trying to, to get order. And then all of a sudden the gallows pop to life and to defend either the plaintiff or the defendant. Seemingly out of nowhere. These people don't know them, but they've heard enough of their story. And we're it, it, we're quick to just there's there, we don't need any backstory here. We're just uh, have the understanding that these people have nothing better. These people are the dregs of society. Nothing better to do. Let's hang together in a courtroom because it's open. But they're not. The scene proves that they're not lunatics it proves that they care about these people they care about justice because when he's when each side is defended like they're they got your back is all i'm saying yeah i got you i got you they 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 pick a side and they they defend it well they're dirt bag there's a code of honor for us night weirdos i i i all i can think about is like again going back to i wish i was uh I wish I was alive in the eight, like in um, Taxi Driver eighties, because I just see myself doing two things on a regular basis: porno theaters, yeah, not necessarily to jerk off, but probably some jerking off, but more just because it's a place to go. I see myself yep. as a New York guy that just kind of always needs a place to go. Like, yes, like I romanticize yes. the idea that when I got a quarter. I got a place I can, if I got a quarter, I got five hours to kill because a quarter will buy me a bottomless cup of coffee in one of the seedy diners on the Lower East Side. If, yep. I, if I don't, if, if I'm trying to um, uh, shake off my bottle, I go to night court because I know they're going to, court's going to be in session until 5 a.m. Yeah, no, totally. Like that's, this is the real city. Oh, the yeah. real city is there. So they're fighting, and then the judge brings his his next solution. Mm-hmm. He's going to oh, force boy. the hand. He's going to force the hand of the people because he he's got a he's got a scheme. He can he knows what he's doing. He's up to it. But yeah. to us, he's like, "All right, you hate each other. You want to do this? I got the coin of justice. We're going to flip a coin." Mm-hmm. So first off, flips the coin. He's like. Heads, I stay a judge. Tails, I quit. You guys hate me so much. There you go. Flips a coin. Heads, still judge. Boom. Everyone's Just like, like that. Damn. Just like that. Goes to the uh, night hooker one. Goes, she's either going to jail for the rest of her life, which isn't true, but <laughs> yeah. or she walks free. Flips the coin. Uh, heads. And then there's a, there's a gag in there. Like, some, I'll make it you looking for a good time or something. Oh yeah! Right before he flips it, like yeah, but a, she it, has my one of my favorite. Like I think it's from Ren and Stimpy, like old timey gags. Like 
the judge goes into like what she does, like a lady of the night, all this. And then she just, her response to all this is she's like, yeah, it's a living. Oh, class. yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, that, that, I think that was the, it's a living. I, the origins of that would be interesting. Cause I know it very well from the Flintstones. Like yeah, yes, all yes. of those uh, animals that are forced to do labor eat garbage and like yeah. bathe the eat humans. Dumps. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say hooker? Da, 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 da. Oh, the coin. We're back at the coin. Right, right, right. So then we get to the point where he really drives it home. He goes to the husband. I'm going to flip this coin. And if it's heads, your wife goes free. If it's tails, she goes away for seven years. For attempted murder. For attempted murder of you and uh, assault with a deadly weapon. Without a jury. He's like, that's it. No evidence, no nothing. I flip this coin. Comes up, your wife goes away. Uh, And we find out husband box. He admits through the talking that he loves his his wife. 23 years. Just they got hard times, stale. They need to take a page out of the, the... Kama Sutra, Kama Sutra Uglies next door. Yeah, yeah. They. Uh, do you find yourself uh, more interested in a good night's sleep than a good sex session or something, he says. Yeah. <laughs> so he shows them their true face, and their true face is love. That's why she fired the gun. And as Hans mentioned earlier, we find out she fired it into the ceiling. Because she also, didn't she put him through like a bunch of surgeries or something? She's like, why would I shoot him if I... Uh... He had been sick a bunch and she he had pneumonia a bunch and she took care of him. Her yeah. response was like, if I wanted you dead, I wouldn't have like nursed you back to health so many times. Pneumonia was a big killer in the 80s or something? For him, he's probably working like, he's probably got mesothelioma. <laughs> like he's been fucking like... <laughs> yeah, right. Smoking asbestos cigarettes or something, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Good point. I think it was a big deal just because 30 years of these poor guys fucking building these shitty buildings with shitty products and like just getting sick. Fucking working down in the subway tunnels. Building all those crappy like skyscrapers that uh, fucking they've torn down. I, I, I look around like so the neighborhood I live in, it just keeps building and building. I was yesterday I was looking at a building. And just the infrastructure they have to build in order to build the building within it. Yeah. And I was just like, it's just, it, it's fascinating, obviously, but I was just like, but for the grace of God, go I, that I'm yeah. not 40 floors, 40 stories up right now, fucking hammering metal on metal. Like, it just sounds like, I don't, I, my, my constitution isn't, can barely even fathom it. Because I, I don't yeah. like heights and I don't like hard labor, but that's just a normal thing for it's crazy. All right. Nice. I mean, yeah. How how we did not end up like that because we that the bar we used to work at like had during the day had like legit night court era, hard living, hard drinking. Oh, yeah. Laborer dudes. And there were a couple of those guys who are like New York construction and they talk about stories, and I remember talking to this dude, and he was building one Freedom Plaza. Yeah. Hadn't worked in a decade, because his back's fucked up from the fucking work he did in the 80s. Rebar but union. He, but he finally worked his way back in, and like, he's like, yeah, we're up there, and I'm not supposed to be drinking, but they hide like fucking whiskey and crates of beer, like in nooks and crannies, and you're up fucking 50 stories just 
sucking down natty lights That's and so crazy, right? Slugging vodkas. And then uh, you go on your lunch break at what? 10 a.m.? Yeah. And like that you, was the thing. What do you about, do on your like, lunch break? You don't have lunch. I wondered because there are those areas like downtown New York, like financial district, down in the area where they're constantly building stuff. Yeah. You go to those little bodega corner stores. And when I first moved there, I was like, what the fuck? They have cool, like giant coolers full of beers. Yeah. And coming from the Midwest where you can't buy beer everywhere, I, that, I was like, I wonder why. Really? Like, why is this beer thing full at 10 a.m.? Yeah. Why, why put then, beer on ice if you already have coolers? And then I saw it, and it's just those hard hat dude, union dudes on lunch come buy fucking deli sandwiches and slug for tall boys which for it, lunch or it, even not just a bag of chips <laughs> I, I mean or just the beers. beers and it's not i'm not uh i gotta tell you i'm not against it that's that's again back to where uh that's the new york i want to live in man no and i never looked at i never looked down my because i just went that looks that was the most satisfying thing i'd seen in a while Right. Yes. It's like you've been working since 4 a.m. This is your lunch break. You're going to sit in the sun and drink a bunch of beers. It's like that scene in Shawshank. Like, that's what I thought. And it was just like, nothing tasted so good. Sipping on suds in the sun. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Bohemian style beers. I, I that that might be that scene might be the most attractive alcohol has ever looked. Yeah. It. Every Can, time I watch it, I'm like, I could, I want a beer right now. It's so, yeah, it really is just the way they drink it. Morgan Freeman, that guy should have gotten an Academy Award for the way he takes drink. a drink of that beer. <laughs> and then it's like, really? Yeah, he's good. Oh, man. Yeah, you just want to be there. It's less about the drinking. It's like, I want to drink and I want to be there. Well, it's, it's and again, it, you break it down anymore. It's not about the actual alcohol. It's like about being so satisfied. It's about absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? And, and uh, like, these guys finally get something that, that that's so prohibitive to them. It's just yeah. amazing. It's relishing well, I think something. Kind of what you and I are also, like kind of hinting at like at that time but like i didn't have a job i liked i wasn't satisfied oh yeah, so yeah seeing yeah. like having a task that meant something like work that meant something and then being able to have that beer at lunch like i was like those are the most satisfied people i've ever seen yeah you know what it's it's because they're building a building and they're doing something. They're not slinging frozen yogurt to fucking people with fucking chihuahuas and purses. Like. <laughs> they, uh, I, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, it's, it's definitely not the beer. It's the reward. And, yes. uh, because I say that only because, and I, and I have the utmost respect for it. Do that beer. It's hard work. You're doing you're you're doing God's work as far as I'm a, uh, as I'm concerned because otherwise you don't have any of this infrastructure. But at the same time, I anybody that certainly knows me knows I've been no stranger to my noontime beers, and I gotta yeah. tell you, uh, there's a, there's a dark side to that, obviously. Oh sure, but uh, and, and then those same guys at three thirty in the afternoon are drinking a bottle of fucking jameson a piece yeah 
Yeah, like in an hour and a half, and then they drive home. Yeah, and then they, uh, yeah, and they, they have maybe potentially antiquated views on their, their, uh, their, their about their spouse. Um, yeah, yes. nothing, oh, yes. nothing worse than. So it's nice to see. It's nice to see that relish of the ten o'clock. This is such a tangent of that ten o'clock beer, but uh, you and I being bartenders coming on our shift after their shift ends. Yeah. Nothing beats getting that 10 o'clock beer attitude at 5 o'clock p.m. Oh, maybe also that's why I loved it. I was like, because you animals are drinking on the street where you belong. <laughs> yeah. And not giving me shit. Taking a total shift from like <laughs> from like these people being um, uh, <laughs> God sent like just uh, uh, epitomes of relaxation to just fucking... Drink your beer on the corner, you rats. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways, back to rats. The yeah, so that we find out satisfying as as, as satisfying as that ten a.m. beer after building the fucking monoliths of the twenty first century is the payoff of Night Court episode one, the pilot. We find out the husband goes, "I can't believe you would put my wife in that position on a coin toss," and Harry's like. It's a double-sided coin, dudes. It's both heads. I forget what that read. I I wish the actual line was it's a double-sided coin, but that might be actually the line. Or yeah, there's two heads. I forget. Again, back to uh, that unpredictability. They've set us up, and they've uh, re they've um, continued with the premise that we just never know what we're gonna get with Harry Stone, but we do yep. know he's a madman, but with a tinge basis in reality and at the end of the episode we establish the one through thread about his character that i recall as a kid harry stone loves mel torme yeah music there's something about the 80s where just liking music made you a renegade renegade dude so yeah that was the uh episode first episode of night court and it was a good one. Uh, did we not miss the one line from Selma? Oh, we did. Yes. You know what's uh, crazy so is I didn't even write down the line. Uh, I remember it. So Selma, who I mentioned, she's a, a large character in the show. Apparently, her first gag is in the intro. Yep. Uh, we see her in the periphery throughout the episode, but she gets one killer punchline. During the throng, like the fighting and arguing right before Harry flips the coin, she elbows Bull and says, reminds me of my husband. And he ah. goes, oh yeah, oh yeah, why? She's like, because I shot him as well or something like that. I don't know. Because I tried to shoot him. That's right. Oh man, we're going to get a lot from Selma. She's a, much like uh, old the bathroom spritzer. I think they're sisters. The Sicilian from Golden Girls. Oh, <laughs> Estelle. I think that's Estelle's sister. Estelle and Selma. Selma. Oh man, that's a that some someday podcasts are they're, they're going to be so um, saturated. Eventually, they're going to have to do crossovers. This is the Estelle Selma podcast. Speculative crossovers. <laughs> that I got to tell you, that might be one of the most speculative crossovers. We need to write some Estelle Selma fan fiction. Oh man, do we ever? So, episode one, in the bag, all you need is love, and all you need to do is go to Amazon, or YouTube, or I think the first season is on Vudu, 
and go ahead and pick that up. Nine ninety nine for the first season, ladies and gents. We're going episode already, by episode. I will say it's worth it. Oh, without a doubt. Without it, yeah. Are Plus, you are you happy to have started watching? I am to the point where I was like watching it this morning in my office, taking notes, and Ashley walked in and went, "Is that People's Court?" And I went, "No, it's Night Court." And she went, "I love that show." Oh, she didn't even know we were doing this, huh? No. Wait, wait. I gotta ask you. Are you are you forging ahead? I haven't yet. No. Oh, okay. Cause, uh, well, I guess I guess we're about to have a good night court. I'll just say, tune in for the next episode. Santa goes downtown. All right. Nice. Gotta get a coldie tag. How about uh, the night is long and full of weirdos. Have a good night court. Have a good night court. I'll get a I'll get a gavel sound effect. Get a gavel bang. that was it thanks guys that's the pilot of the pilot the first ever have a good night court uh thanks for listening if you liked it please subscribe to the podcast give us a rate give us a review share it with friends you can check us out on facebook right now we're at the jerk practice podcast at jerk practice pod we also have our main podcast on itunes the jerk practice please check us out there and i think that's about it we got 192 episodes left to go so let's have some good night courts hit it Show. I mean, an attempted murder, and you send the plaintiff and the defendant out for a cup of coffee? What do murderers get? Brunch? <laughs> All right, my methods are informal. <laughs> hey, give them a chance. They might work. Maybe, just maybe, it'll work. <laughs> Then again, maybe someday pigs will fly. <laughs> <laughs>